You are listening to Oblivion. It is September 12th, 2022. And you know what that always brings to mind? It's the day after the day that we should never forget. Well, you might remember earlier I talked about uh, this idea of manufactured cultural amnesia. Correct. And uh, 9-11 is a perfect example of that. Because while I would certainly agree that obviously that is a, a major day in, in history, one should never forget September 10th, 2001. And why is that? Because there was a world before 9-11. There was a world that existed, a whole culture, a whole America that existed where people didn't think about cities could be attacked. Um, we have to be constantly at war. And even though we already have a massive military machine, uh, uh, a nuke machine, as you're always good about reminding the listener, that wasn't enough. And so the manufactured cultural amnesia comes into play with the way 9-11 is really used uh, for this ugly fear-mongering propaganda to reinforce this sense that the world basically began on 9-11 and there was no humanity. There was no America. There was no life or world before that. This is what life is like. We fight these wars. We're all over the world. We all know what's going on. And these people are out there um, hating us. And the way that 9-11 has been talked about since it actually happened is in this very controlled and very concentrated way where as the date approaches and certainly the day itself on numerous channels all day long, all kinds of programming about that day from seeing the footage to the interviews to documentaries, films that have been made since then, um, retrospectives, from the from the present day you're overloaded with that and then you forget about it and then you accept that this is the way life is because this happened everything everything about american life politics the way the economy works is built around fighting terrorism and the reality is is people don't really go about their lives all that uh, differently since that happened, aside from the airport um, rigmarole of taking your shoes off and your uh, belt off um, and, and that type of thing. And maybe some, although there's been enough time, I don't think it exists anymore. Certainly for me, I think the first time I flew after 9-11, uh, of course, uh, you know, I thought about it. I was like... Man, that'd be, you know, that's a horrifying thing to think of actually happening, um, which it did. And so to kind of um, wrap up this particular uh, point, um, what the cultural amnesia does is it erases the idea of possibly seeing, right, what the problem is with all of this hate and escalation and a war-based culture, a war-based system, right? And rejecting peace and love. And that when you you mock peace and love and you think that's, uh, that can never work, what you wind up with is something like 9-11. These truly horrific things actually do happen, right? And Everything about America, certainly the Afghanistan war, should be seen as a failure. 
that all of these ideas are blocked because they are blocked off at, at the end of September the 10th, 2001, right? That they became things that you no longer needed to think about. It's just a foregone conclusion that because of 9-11, which you can ne literally never forget, right? That's the underpinning of everything, the insane military spending, the expansion of wars under the Obamacon and his Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, right? And his vice president, who is now, you may have noticed, the president. Um, Joe Foreign Policy Biden, Joe Aviator Glasses Top Gun <laughs> Biden, who voted for the uh, Iraq War. Um, so did you have any, did you see any uh, film? I mean, I know you don't have television. What was your uh, take on media? Well, yeah, I, I was blissfully, you know, I was off, went down to Somerset, Somerset where I had family during the weekend and, and oh, didn't, wow. didn't look at any of it. Now, Nancy, uh, yesterday when we got home, she looked on her Facebook and was surprised, had a little any of uh, her Facebook friends mentioned it. Um, it's like the least she'd ever seen. So that that was interesting. Maybe people finally are forgetting. All right, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and and you and you kind of wonder. Maybe there was. I mean, tell me from your end, did it seem like the same old, same old, or was there? I mean, maybe things like Ukraine might have taken well, up some on of a, the on a personal oxygen. level. It, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that no one. Uh, was talking about it because it really was not on my mind. Right, right. Uh, and I guess it, it's the kind of thing that dwindles over time. Mm -hmm. Certainly, I think going through COVID is mm -hmm. uh, actually, you know, I would say overtook that day in terms of, of horrific events because sure. uh, for one thing, COVID has just gone on so long. And the one thing about 9-11 is it was really over before you even knew what was happening. You didn't have to. And if you weren't one of the people who was uh, so, again, at, you know, so horrifically um, connected to those events, if you weren't one of the victims, you know, you didn't have anything to worry about uh, other than you were made to be scared shitless. And I really want to clarify um what I mean by the forgetting, right, is the forgetting is the manufactured cultural amnesia is that we have forgotten that life doesn't have to be the way that it is. And that's the purpose that 9-11 serves is to make sure we don't bring that up. Right. So uh, it, it is not meant to say it's a good thing or um, it's just we collectively have forgotten 9-11 and that generic message of. We should never forget it. I mean, it should be more about why should we remember it than just never forget it. That's never made clear. And it's kind of just this obedience um, lesson of this happened and these people gave their lives and these are the heroes. And the hero, President George Bush, rallied America and we started two wars and, of course, how do you really talk about the Afghanistan war now that we know it was a loss and both parties knew we couldn't win? The objectives were never achievable, but we don't even think that that is disgraceful and wrong and something that should be changed in terms of our military spending and foreign policy. And it's not good that people don't think about that. Right. And that's what I'm saying again. The point of. 9/11 uh, never forget is to reinforce that that there was no world before 9/11 and whatever ideals existed before then forget it let's get to work grow up yeah and and all of that bullying uh, crap and so with the bullying the reason I wanted to bring up Gavin Newsom is uh, really, since the pandemic, uh, Newsom, governor of California, has impressed me. And as you know, I'm not just impressed with 
a Democrat because he's a Democrat. I mean, Andy Bashir's a Democrat, right? Right. So isn't California basically the same as Kentucky? Because <laughs> yeah. so but Newsom had one of the best criticisms of of the Democrats in terms of the leadership when he said and he, he was critical of Michelle Obama when Michelle Obama said uh, about the Republicans and the and the conservatives, um, uh, when they go low, we go high. And what and Newsom said is that that is is letting people be bullied, right? And he's absolutely right. And that's my disgust with the the Democrat Party as it exists is um, that it allows that bullying and its message to to people like me and to, I think, uh, many other people is the way this game works is compromise means these other people get to bully you, right? And you have the freedom to be bullied by them basically is is what what they're saying and uh and newsom is saying that that's that's wrong like you know when they go low you have to kick their ass is what you have to do you have to not let them do that and the idea of the we go high is this snobby elitist and conditioning you to be well it's also it's bullying in itself right it's that you need to you need to you know, let us, you know, uh, control everything. Right. And, uh, you know, and if you don't, uh, go along with our particular, our going quote high, uh, message and approach, then, uh, you're, you're, a uh, a little dweeb nerd. <laughs> well, you're bad, a deplorable. Per- you're a deplorable and right. You're not getting in line and, yeah, so it's it's just a I don't even know if it's a reverse uh we are bullying. The knowing. It's not a reverse right. bullying, it's just a certain version of it. It's a sanctimonious no, you're right. it's a, version. It is of it. A, a, it's condescending. Yeah. Like you're so stupid that you you as a as an adult need me, Michelle Obama, to basically tell you how, how this works and it's more about living in this world of ideas right this insulated world of ideas where if you just think of yourself you know i'm good because i go high like if they go low i go high that's what you're supposed to to do and you ignore the the bullying like you you can't let me be bullied and you're trustworthy right it's it it's not um, it's not going to to do anything useful about the situation from the perspective of the person to whom the other person has gone low. Um, and it's also completely phony. It's sort of like, you know, when they go low, we use drones to kill people. That w- isn't that right? I mean, isn't that more? <laughs> yeah, right. So it's. All condescending, and it's also a crock of shit. But so, what I think needs to happen, and this made made me think about our conversation last week about certain conversations about Team Democrat, and no matter who, I vote blue, and all of this sports cheerleading rah rah <laughs> uh, talk is. What really does need to happen with the American politics is that the um, the Democratic Party needs to be led by Newsom and what its goal is and what it needs to do very quickly and aggressively is it makes the country like California, right? Like you're going to have a safe um energy system right you're not get, you're not going to have prohibition you're going to you're going to have health care right you're going to look out for um, 
the environment and natural disasters, and you're going to be smart and innovative, right, and have um, a, a, a booming economy, right, that's going to um, be an economy of the future that will be built around the kind of infrastructure that we're going to have to have if we're going to deal with uh, climate change. And uh, really, that means that with the, the current uh, aristocracy of the Clinton, Biden, Obamacon, Clinton, Biden, Biden, Obamacon, Clinton uh, entourage, that as long as they're there, what, what you have is this um, basically Washington power broker deal where the Democrats are perfectly willing for most of America to become far right politically, especially places like Kentucky, where you have someone, you have a dork like Bashir um, denying climate change when his state has been pummeled both ends of it, the West in, in December and the Eastern part in August in a span of eight months, by these events that are just undeniably climate change. And that is a far right attitude to take that Bashir glosses over with his religion and, and his, uh, his prayers. And so having Democrats like Andy Bashir and on the national level, having people like Joe Biden lead the party and having people like Chuck Schumer decide which candidates are going to get bankrolled in states like Kentucky, where he picks, of all people, Amy McGrath, right? I mean, Schumer should have wanted to have nominated McConnell as both the Democrat and Republican candidate. It'll be McConnell against himself, right? I mean, because running Amy McGrath was just uh, such a concession uh, and try, you know, reinforcing this message to people in, in Kentucky, which is how it works in most of the country, right? The Midwest and the South is most of it. You have to get to the other side of the front range of the Rockies before culturally and politically uh, America improves. Um, but the message is like if in Kentucky, this is all you want to see is somebody in a uniform and a fighter jet and the church and the family and the church and family and the church and the fighter pilot and, and all of that. So um, to go back to the conversations that people may have been having recently about Team Democrat, one thing people should be thinking about is what are the bad things that are going to happen if the Democrats hold on to the Senate? What are the bad things that are going to happen if Biden does get reelected in 2024? And that is what I just said will never happen with regard to uh, Gavin Newsom becomes the leader of the Democratic Party. And the goal is to aggressively, uh, with all deliberate speed, uh, to borrow a Supreme Court term uh, from the uh, desegregating uh, schools uh, ruling, which I think would have been 1954. Um, that's never going to happen, right? And you'll have the status quo, right? Status quo has got to go. The so for the if Biden wins, then obviously Kamala Harris is going to be the best option uh, for good God, you know, twenty twenty eight. And do you really want that? You know, it's think about the slog it's been from twenty twenty just to get to this point in twenty twenty two. You know, do you want to think about uh, and then you have to lose in 2032 to get Harris out of the way, and you've got a Republican. And what if the Republican wins in 36? I mean, it'd be until 2040 before somebody like Gavin Newsom could have a chance to be president. That's another 20 years. So that's really something to think about. You know, unless you're really pleased with the way it's been under uh, Joe Biden, uh, I'm not so sure I would really want to see Democrats do well uh, in the midterms and and that they, uh, if Biden 
presumably is the nominee. I'm not so sure I want to see him win in 2024 if it meant another 20 years of this shit. Well, so you think he's going to run? Biden? Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, I think it's the... Even uh, though there's pretty... Seems to be widespread popular, I mean, with Democrats. Um, but I, mean, that's, I think that's the whole point, right? Is you want someone that's, uh, that isn't, it's, a, it's like you say, it's, it's sham democracy. You're not trying to put someone in there that is going to be popular. You don't want that because you, if you're going to keep your population militarized, Life has to basically be like you're in the military where everything's serious and uh, in, intense and you, you don't have leisure time, really, and um, you can't just really do what you want to do. There's some chain of command. There's some hierarchy that uh, is lording over you and putting the pressure on you. Uh, there's no civilian life. I mean, between 9-11 and then living through the coronavirus, which um, uh, you want to talk about manufactured cultural amnesia, think about for a second, you know, 2022 and 2021, those surges, right, that just never ended. Uh, and I'm, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that maybe it's finally not that bad, but the virus is still out there. It wasn't long ago that I remembered hearing that there were still 400 deaths a day, which is, that's really bad. Um, So, um, you know, Americans get conditioned. um, They, they, they learn to thrive off of, and this is where I fault the people that you shouldn't uh, like if, if you're in Nazi Germany, you know, you don't, you shouldn't get, fired up about hey all right i'm gonna get on board with this right as soon as you do that that is uh that's your choice as an adult that's a character issue mm-hmm. um americans thrive on this constant you know death threats from everywhere memphis uh, that's a topic like in a span of four days there was this uh kidnapping of a of a of a woman in her in her thirties who went jogging at four uh, thirty in the morning, she got abducted and then uh, and then was found dead, and then um, uh, I think four days later, someone went on a killing spree through the city, right, with an automatic weapon and a I think in a in a car and um, so. Yeah, <clears throat> fill, the, me, fill me in on that story. I'm not um, familiar with Memphis. It. Yeah. Um, well, that's basically uh, it. Um, there was. I mean, was it was it the a, was it the same person or it just happens to? They did the kidnapping and then the killing spree. No, right. I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but I mean, the kidnapping is super tragic because they actually uh, killed the the woman, and I think she either had a lot of money or was from a family that had a lot of money. And, and this is kind of thing I'm talking about is, um, if you don't find this acceptable, I mean, Uvalde, the military spending, the Afghanistan war, the way that the, I mean, we, uh, the government really can't collect taxes. So the wealthy have all this money and then, they don't have to pay anything back into what they are making their money from and who they are making their money off of. That's just so blatantly corrupt. And it's beyond me how you could find this on any level acceptable and palatable all on this um, imaginary, if plausible, maybe, idea that if Donald Trump gets back in the White House, things will be even worse. I mean, it's just such a um, 
low self-esteem, miserable, um, and, and just totally unconcerned about others, right? Like, you know, my life isn't all that great, but it's not that bad either. And these other people, uh, it really sucks. And I don't want my life to be like theirs. And these far right people do scare me. And we got, I mean, but that's just such a, so it's okay with you that those 19, 10 year olds got killed because your life isn't that bad. I mean, that's just such a, you know, grumpy, dour, humorless, unenlightened, um, that there's no point in having institutions. If you're, you're just going to have this base level kind of, uh, primitive, I just want to hide in my cave, uh, which I think is what internet use is basically the modern day human artificial light is now the, the new cave. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that can be the title for the episode, <laughs> the new cave. Um, yeah. So, um, speaking of, of cavemen, uh, Queen Elizabeth <laughs> finally died. <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, we've got born uh, shortly after the dinosaurs. <laughs> the long reigning. I mean, she really did seem like someone who was never going to die. What, what, what? Yeah, no. Yeah. So, um, and the the real story I think with Queen Elizabeth is, uh, she's a human being. She was a human being. I mean, she's mortal. She died. You know, she aged, and she died. Um. But, and, she, and but she, I don't know. But there's one big difference, David. She had that royal blood. Royal blood, uh, pure blood. Uh, th- just that's straight out of the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> yeah. So, what yeah, blood and is it's, in you? If you look on the BBC, it's just like North Korea, man. It's just 100. percent You know the queen and the royal family and now the new king he did this first i guess he did he become king yesterday charles charles king charles the is it the third third Third, okay (laughs) now i think if you look in terms of culture and history the monarchy is interesting and the monarchy doesn't have to be uh, vilified but the problem is and i think you and i would agree on this is the hierarchy and the degree to which the hierarchy is um is, is there and certainly it still seems pretty extreme in um in england and but the only reason I, I, I don't believe in being anti-monarchy is you could just look at the United States and see that even though there's not a monarchy, that you have the same thing, but in some ways it's even worse. And I think if there is a good thing about the monarchy is that for everyone else who isn't a royal, it does reinforce a sense of equality. Right. Whereas in America, in other words, uh, in um, in England, you're if you're not a royal, you can't daydream about how you are going to be this um, super powerful rich person. But in America, you can. I mean, in America, you can be Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson or Michelle Obama, Oprah Winfrey, and you can ascend to the, you can be uh, the, the, the queen or the, the king, basically, right. right? You're super powerful. You're super rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, right? So uh, take your pick, right? The difference is in a culture that has a monarchy, um, maybe it's not so easy just to, you know, worship uh, rich people and celebrities like we do in America, because that's what the Royals are for. 
Um, well, really I, my, my, my look on that is that basically we have the higher – it's a, a denialism. I guess that's what you're getting at. There's a denialism yes. in this country that there is a longstanding – it's a classless society, this longstanding, totally ridiculous idea. It's, it's trying to erase – the class society uh, by saying that there is no class society, that we're a classless society, that we've gone beyond that uh, end of history. Uh, Thanks to that great 1950s economy, right? <laughs> yeah. The ascent of the middle class. It's yeah. Like, so, oh, wait. I mean, how can you use the term middle class <laughs> and say it's a classless society? But Right. It, every Everybody's middle class. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah, so there's the big difference. It's, it's, it's a matter of. Yeah, it's the denialism. But I, I think the 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 thing that, at least in this country, and there's this. But I, I think it's globally this whole monarch thing, and um, in the UK, um, it it reinforces the the better class being a legitimate thing. And as long as it's there, that it's held up as tradition, <clears throat> and we've got to keep this for tradition and and uh, history and to preserve things, and we don't want to uh, 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 get rid of it for those reasons. Uh, but it's also preserving the hierarchical culture and legitimizing it. And uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely got to go. I was, I saw that the New York Times had a had an article about how that um, apparently Charles is not very popular, um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that's a legacy of of the Diane years, Diana years, and or whatnot. Which uh, was certainly a blight for Queen Elizabeth. I mean, yeah. she really couldn't handle Diana. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm not really sure what's the center of that because, um, you know, I mean, as far as his image, he doesn't seem to be too radical a person, probably pretty much straight line liberal type, right? <laughs> you know, environmental uh, issues or something part of his thing, uh, uh, whatnot. But um, this article is... You know, saying they have to, the anti-monarchists have to have to be careful not to, you know, not to offend people at this time. Or it's kind of like the not too soon, uh, you know, sort of approach. The stasis of objection, time and place, right? I mean, right after the queen dies is not the time to rag on the queen. Yeah, but the the problem with that, that's always used to you know, permanently tap down the per- whole. Permanently, yeah. Tap down Mute the whole the thing. conversation. Like, so if you, which which if you links, in, about it links now, into the 9-11 thing, right? That's the whole thing of don't forget. Uh, this means, you know, don't think about this. Don't, um, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Is that, you know, it's too soon after 9-11. You shouldn't be bringing up any of these uh, other issues. Uh, well, I think I think the connection is is that right after 9-11 uh, was, was not the time to be uh, voicing an anti-war message. Yeah. Right? right. Like, yeah. you couldn't yeah. say, no, we don't start a war. Right. Like, why don't we actually think about this? You had to get on board, right? That you, that you there couldn't be any anti-American sentiment at all. Like if you thought uh, Bush was an idiot and that he stole the election, yeah, um, which he did in the in the dictatorship where the the Supreme Court, which is appointed by the president, appoints the president. <laughs> um. Um. You couldn't that right after nine eleven. You couldn't say that, right? You couldn't be critical of Republicans. You couldn't be critical of of America, because uh, you could be uh, seen basically as a terrorist, right? I mean, right. you kind of everyone got in in line with the 
the yellow ribbons and the painting your barn red, white, and blue. And um, I mean, the, I have, have mentioned this before, but if you want to, the one of the big problems with talking this generic point that America is a divided country is look at the approval ratings of George Bush after 9-11 leading up to the start of the Afghanistan war in October of 2001. It was 90%, 90%. And it remained so high that it was still at 72% in March of 2003 when the Iraq war started. Are they flying military planes over your, what did I hear just then, Dave? It's a, yeah, it was a, a military gunship. I guess it's heading to, yeah, it's just totally ridiculously too low. Just happened to fly a helicopter. Right when we're yeah, doing yeah. Our well, just, yeah, yeah. just uh, 9-11, it, it's, uh, you better shut up, man. They're going to, they're going to send a missile on us if we don't keep our mouth shut. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Perfect timing for that because this this is um, a Black Hawk helicopter just flew over way too low. No reason for that to be flying that low. There's no, you know, it should be illegal. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I don't think any of these goddamn things should be in the country anywhere. Right. But yeah, right. <laughs> this we don't have the draft any war, but they yeah. just brought the war to us. Right. It's like America now is a military zone like in Flint, Michigan in, in 2010, when the Obamacon was blowing stuff up in, in Flint, Michigan. Remember, remember that uh, to, because they needed to test some explosives and they just went to this abandoned part of Flint, Michigan and started <laughs> blowing things up. Right, right, right. Uh, and there was also the water in Flint, right? People have forgotten about that. But that's what I'm saying is you, you, the, the manufactured cultural amnesia of, of, of from 9-11 is that you forget that there was a September the 10th. You forget that there was a, a world before where why would these helicopters be here? Why would I constantly be thinking about war and seeing people in uniform and these over-the-top ceremonies where um, the war planes fly over the football field and the flags that are the size of the football field are spread out? I mean, that's definitely military, uh, militarization of civilian space. Now, that's a good term. I'm going to write that down. Militarization of civilian space. Militarization. So that that helicopter, and they, it happens all the time. That one was particularly low, but it's just totally rude to be flying that low. There's you know. right, and I think that that's done on purpose. I think you know. I mean. How, you know how to fly a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. You know what, what, how high or low you're flying it. Right. I mean, Aggressive, it's just a, a basic. Like, her, there's no reason to have it that low. I mean, none at all, uh, other than just neglect. Now, sure, I don't think it's necessarily like we're going to fly this low so we can scare people or whatever. I think they just don't give a shit, and they're like, "I'm just going to fly this thing," and right. It's not like it's they've loud. got. They're trying to get uh, Jack Ryan out to Rick Mancuso's <laughs> uh, submarine in the hunt for Red October. Yeah, and I don't. Right, and they they and, only have ten minutes worth of gas. And what so could can't. possibly? What the hell are they transporting this fucking thing? I see them flying all the time, and it's just like, what? Why do they need these helicopters? They well, part of it I think is just the the exercises, right? To sure. have it in use and to, and yeah. to give it a presence. Right. Yeah. You know, they they want to reinforce it that you know it's there, and and I do think it's done as a as mm -hmm. a power move and yeah as an act of force. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that they also don't give a shit. Like they don't think about people who maybe work at night and right now they're sleeping, or they just might not want to listen to a 
giant helicopter flying close to them. So yeah, I don't so... know what it's like uh, where you are, but yesterday we finally had our first non-hot day in five months. Yeah, it's really nice today. It's the first first nice fall day, really. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like uh, fall. It felt like fall um, yesterday. And um, and I'll, I mean, ne- I'll never forget like... that the December 11th, 2001 was a very cool fall day with a north wind, sunny. Right. <laughs> you can still have peace. That 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 idea was definitely, <laughs> you know, erased. See, this is why this cannot happen. This is the world that you really live in. Now, since we're on the subject, I have to ask you, what do you think about the attacks of September 11th? Do you think that the United States government knew that that was going to happen in advance? Um. Yeah, I've th- thought about it for a long time. I mean, I I think there's definitely a st- um some people did. Um I mean, the, I mean there was at the very least they knew um certain parts of the um um uh, security state knew some of these hijackers were in the country. Um and uh but I, you know, I, I've never, I've been kind of more always on the more conventional side, uh, the main narrative, where you know, I think more or less uh, the uh, official narrative is more or less what happened, which is, um, you know, that the uh, quote Al Qaeda people, uh, but oddly enough, uh, um. This was not in Afghanistan, uh, um, you know. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, it was, well, it was orchestrated in Germany, you know, and it's, it's interesting. We didn't invade Germany for this, but uh, it was really orchestrated and figured out in Germany, as far as we know. Um, uh, you know, of course, what it was, it 17 or 16 of them were Saudi citizens. Uh, right. Uh, I mean that's an obvious fact, and um, and uh, yeah. So, I really the way I look at it is it was a rogue, um, extreme bunch of of radicals uh, who got here. Um, Some of them, for sure, they knew they were here and they were tracking them. Um, and, um, and they just let it go, right? Because they were tracking them. They, uh, um, they, they didn't haul them in like they should have, right? I mean, if they were, uh, suspected terrorists or, or whatever it is, uh, they shouldn't have let them just sit there just to see what they would do. Um, now there's, um. Gather intelligence. Right. Yeah. Gather intelligence, see what they, you know, uh, happen here. Um, now, that's the most likely um, and, and pretty much the most obvious. Now, you can go further with that. The problem is, is there's just no evidence, right? I mean, that's kind of the important thing. Until I actually see some real evidence, I'm not going to go down rabbit holes of what could possibly have been. Now, for instance, I, I've never been one to be like, well, they uh, blew up the buildings or that the planes weren't real. They were like unpiloted sure, planes. And, but I'm not, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm just talking about yeah. the, the very basics of what everyone would agree happened, right? Yeah. The planes were hijacked. Yeah. Well, everybody doesn't agree with that, but, I mean, it's a fringe. That's obviously a fringe group that thinks that. I mean, excluding the the fringe, for the most part, that, yeah, I'm not talking about the buildings and and all of that. Uh, Although, one thing I I do think. I definitely don't don't think that, for instance, you know, Bush 
quote, did 9-11. But what is obvious, they had plans in place for such a contingency, right, uh, that if if a major attack occurred on U.S. soil, um, and they would have tried to push this if it had been much lesser of attack, right, but they had the good fortune that it was such a spectacular uh, and uh, successful attacks. The spectacle of it is what made it was so extreme. The they were able to push the agenda of of you know having these wars, expanding the security state. Yeah, they uh, they were fortunate. I'll, I'll I'll say that, but and I would just invite you to consider. I don't think mm-hmm. right now we have to make a right. final decision, but. Right, right. You know, near near the tween shall meet. I think is mm-hmm. is sort of what's going on with the picture you're presenting. Right. I think that the the whole spectacle of nine eleven mm-hmm. is precisely why it's impossible to believe that all of this wasn't done on purpose. Mm-hmm. You said it. I mean, what makes nine eleven nine eleven is that. You saw it and what it was you were actually looking at. In other words, 3,000 people could have been killed in an explosion. Right, right. And it would have not had, it would have not galvanized the nation. There is no way you can pull something like that off. That is probably the biggest surprise attack mm-hmm. ever right the most yeah. powerful nation on the earth and you were able to do that here's one thing that i find totally unbelievable mm-hmm. right we have this incredible military we know this and those planes from the moment they were hijacked and they had to be turned around it took about an hour an hour you've got a black hawk a black hawk helicopter flying low over your farm nothing could get up in the air nothing could get up in the air to divert you know to uh what what do they to to follow to escort to surveil mm-hmm. these planes? I mean, it was an obvious stand down. And again, that like this, like if we just have three thousand people killed and it happens in America, or and it, uh, that won't be enough. Like this will make them shit their pants. Right. To see the plane fly in. I mean, that's you don't ever forget that. And the explosion in the building and then people jumping out of the building. And this is New York City. Right. You do it in front of millions of people who are watching it. In person. And then the 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 country. Right. Associates New York with this. Powerhouse. Uh, basically otherworldly place and it gets um, uh, it gets uh, hurt badly the the mangled buildings uh, uh, ruins afterwards like when the buildings fell and everything in lower Manhattan was covered in this white soot I mean that definitely looked um yeah, trippy yeah, and otherworldly and and and, horrif- and horrific. So, the 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 combination of the spectacle with the um, the the devastation, the loss of life. I just don't think it's there's any way that you can deny that this was planned by many people and went way beyond. Um, I mean, I think other governments probably knew something like this was in in the works and that it was going to be big and that the whole point was it wasn't just going to be you kill 3000 people that will blow something up, but how you're going to do it. 
you know, and that's what that's where the shock was. Yeah. Yeah. My the re- the reason that I've ca- haven't been convinced of of a of a broader planning. Uh, th- there are several issues. There's first the level of competency. If you observe other situations like criminals that want to uh, the many tens of mi- or millions of times many stories of uh, say a criminals that uh, try to um, have plans to um, you know one of the complicated things is to like rob banks or uh, rob a museum or uh, this and that um, is that uh, there, there are very uh, humans. There, um, things c- you can't predict the future very well, right? So there's always these elements, especially in complicated situation where you're depending on people to do things the same way all the time. There's all it, it, nearly in every case. There's some human variation that comes in that totally blows it all, right? And uh, you know, if if there were all these other factors, like they they had to set up a bunch of explosives in Building Seven or explosives in the Twin Towers, or if they had to, um, uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, right? Uh, but I'm not I'm not going that far, and right. I, I do see your but, point. But one thing, but I mean, you're, you're 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 let me let me just kind of fill in what you maybe you're thinking. You're thinking. That it went more or less like uh, where it's like the hijackers did hijack the planes and fly them into the buildings, right? That you right. you accept that, but yeah. you think that somebody there was um, where would the other other coordinations be other than like supporting the terrorists and getting putting them on the plane, telling them which plane to be on? Uh, what else could they coordinate there? Would they? Are you saying that somebody said the you know didn't let the planes uh, come to like shoot them down once they knew that the planes had flown into the trade centers? Uh, you know, um, well, I'm I'm not so much talking about coordination as as I'm just saying simply allowing it to happen, not stopping it. That's all people had to do. Right. So you think that a certain some somewhere and and you would you would suggest that say like bush or cheney or something knew that was going to happen and they like told um, i'm not sure who they would have told to have let it let it happen Uh, the thing that makes it plausible that it could have been without help was that there were the obvious security holes right the there was uh they could take these uh box cutters on the plane they could uh you know, there was no no locks on the door to the cockpit, <clears throat> so there was a, a wide open opportunity for you to hijack a plane. Well, yeah. sure, I don't I don't deny that those uh-huh. factors went into uh, the execution of mm-hmm. the of the tragedy. Right, right. Um, but it's very difficult to believe that something of that scale. Mm-hmm could be planned and no one know mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and the way that it was exploited from basic, basically before even the end of the day right mm-hmm. just everyone mm-hmm. knew, oh and now we're going to go to war right just and, boom, and, and like that's, that. That, so that's why that's why I they're go waiting for something like this to happen. And you you said yeah. it yourself, like if yeah. they were fortunate that. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, so, I mean, that, I that, you that, have to think about that. You can't just blow that off and say, oh, but I, I'm just I'm just inviting well, you to think about. Well, it. I mean, I, I, I definitely think about it. And not that you just, have. It. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I. You know, I'm perfectly open with some. It's just that I really haven't seen any compelling evidence to sh- to show who quote let it happen. Right now, um, I mean, there was definitely the case 
uh, of the CIA office that knew some of those hijackers. Um, and there was the one office that they had the, you know, it was, I forget what it was, is that they they knew that one of the hijackers that was at the flight school, they um, picked him up or they knew about him and they had the lap, they had gotten one of the laptops of one of the pilots and they asked the CIA, you know, whether, or the FBI or somebody, whether or not they wanted to get involved or look at it or whatever. And they said they didn't. So they, the, the fact that they let that go through was very suspicious. So there, at least on that level, something very suspicious there. Uh, now, whether whether or not they were, like I was saying before, were just letting things play out to see what they would do just to track them and to get an intel, right? Um, I mean, that's the most probable situation. I mean, may, maybe somebody in there knew that the attacks... I mean, you you got to think about it, man. I mean, what kind of sicko that was in the FBI? I mean, we know they're, quote, sickos, but the one thing they are is nationalist, right-winger, you know, love my country shit. And the no, idea that they, what they, they, they present themselves to be that. Sure, right. But, they, you know, they, I think it's— appear to be that. Yeah, so, but I think in, I think in general, I mean, they do believe they're bullshit, um, that, you know, they— the idea, you know, unless just right. everybody they may have also let me just run with that for a second. Right. They may have believed in their country so much that they yeah. thought that it was actually worth it to allow uh, yeah. such an attack to happen uh-huh. so to mobilize uh-huh. the nation to get behind mm-hmm. a war that they firmly believed had to be fought to. So, yeah, let me, let, me, let me go with that that sure. point. So, yeah, I mean, I can, I can accept the idea. I think it's plausible, at least, uh, um, on that small scale that we know about, right? You know, it could be more, but unless you have evidence, um, it's just total speculation. But it's pretty clear that on a smaller level, in a regional office, for sure, they knew these people were here. And, yeah, could there have been some link higher up that they were like, okay, we'll let that— let that, you know, uh, let that go ahead. Uh, maybe there was a green light there. I mean, I think that's very totally plausible, and and it's um, and uh, that that's a possibility. Sure, I'm. <clears throat> I'll never say no for that. Uh, until I get some more uh, direct evidence, which we're never going to get because they would have erased it, right? Um, you know, it's. Um, Right. And just because we haven't seen the evidence or or don't don't have it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that it, it, mm-hmm. it didn't exist. And the absence mm-hmm. of evidence in and of itself doesn't mm-hmm. totally eliminate the possibility sure. that, that, yes, the, the, yeah. the government knew. I yeah. also think one thing that has to be thought about is with these terrorists is where did the funding come from and, and where did the training come from? I mean, this was not just a simple, I'm going to strap explosives to my body and walk into a big crowd of people and blow myself up. This was not your Mm -hmm. ragtag primitive. This was highly sophisticated, highly coordinated. Mm. I mean, almost like, I don't know, a military attack, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's coming all at once and, um, well, boom, boom. I, you know, I, I disagree a bit. I mean, it's highly to a certain extent, but the whole, the idea of getting a plane ticket, uh, you've got four or five people, uh, get tickets, get on a plane with box cutters and take over the plane, uh, that's pretty straightforward, and really, it was kind of you were here back in the before they started some more limited uh, uh, started after qu- quite a few years of hijackings happening all the time, right? Back in the '60s and '70s, especially, it was just constant, right? Because basically, the airline people refused to. Um, you know, it's back in the good old days where you just walk, you know, put some cash down and walk straight on the plane. 
And that was pretty much the case until the late 70s. They didn't even have any metal detectors or anything. So uh, uh, hijacking planes, pretty straightforward, not too hard. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's a it's simpler than it might you might think. Um, right, but and, didn't in this case didn't we have the hijackers themselves flying the planes? Yeah, and that that was, um, yeah, and so so obviously some of them or all of them, you know, took flight training. You know, right uh, here, right. <laughs> And right. like that that one that one case where they were suspicious is because they were and notified the FBI but they wouldn't do anything you know which you know there's a big red flag there obviously uh, was that they were only learning how to fly it not land it <laughs> it was like right quite so, quite odd there yeah but but who was training them to to do this and again I just have to think about their their funding. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. they. This is. Well, again, Saudi Arabia. I mean, a lot of rich motherfuckers, right? I mean, so the, these the were money just was people there. who already had tons of money and had decided that. Okay, I mean. Well, they had backing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- by that, by that narrative, by that, that narrative, but. Um, I keep going back to the word you use, fortunate, like for Bush and Cheney and the big military machine. Mm-hmm. Pentagon, yeah, in reference to the spectacle mm-hmm. of how September 11th happened, mm-hmm. and that just makes it um, difficult to to believe that these people didn't know and really uh, didn't want something like this to happen. Otherwise. Why use the word fortunate? Well, what I meant by fortunate was that um, um, it was fortunate in the sense that it was so spectacular and how how successful a it was, and it wasn't fortunate in that I definitely it's pretty obvious, and they have the documents to show it because there was a lot of planning documents, and we'll know 50 years from now more details on that but you know they they had the emergency plans to to to, you know to go full post 9-11 well before 9-11 so um, whether whether or not they actually quote did it they were ready for it right and they were going to take advantage of it cynically to and that's it that's what i'm saying exactly is what happened, right? Yeah. And so when it, the the question isn't was the U.S. government directly involved, mm. right? Did the government plan it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And outsource it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exploit the rise of radical Islam that was triggered by the Persian Gulf War, which was started by President H.W. Bush, Bush the first. Bush the second, Charles the third, <laughs> but just that I think that the that the word fortunate relates to um, the um, the uh, the spectacle that could be pointed to in support of galvanizing the nation toward war. W- am I correct in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That if you're Bush Cheney and you want to have have these wars in the Middle East and use up all of this stockpile of stuff so that you can then build more and you just want to dominate and kill, <laughs> um, you to galvanize the American people to do it, you need uh, an attack that not only kills a lot of people but does so in a spectacular way, in a sublime way. And that combination of factors is too significant to just blow off under the fundamentalist notion that Americans are good. And of course, 
they would never do that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh yeah. And you know that that gets back to Donald Trump, right? They're the one and only American ever in the whole country or in the U.S. government who is bad is Donald Trump. And if we keep him out, we remain these good people. Right. So to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not uh, – um, they definitely had plans if there was a terrorist attack or some um, hardcore event uh, to implement uh, expanding the security state. And, and the extreme nature of whether or not to what degree they had approval or, or knew about it or let it happen or however you want to say it, they were ready for it and cynically uh, implemented, um, used the fear of that to put in the Patriot Act, uh, which is still ongoing, uh, uh, um, uh, extreme surveillance state. Uh, expansion of the military and they got that going and um, uh, so whether whether or not uh, to what extent they made it happen uh, they certainly were glad about it I can I'll say that much <laughs> uh, you know they weren't sad about it uh, you know and their crocodile their, cro- their is, crocodile tears are, are just that you know and that alone is is damning I mean yeah, that that right. right there I yeah. think uh, means that that, I, that I'm right, you know, that in one way or another, if they if they weren't upset that this happened, if it, if it worked to their if they were fortunate that this happened, yeah. it means that they were a part of it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, all right, so the, man. The, right on. So the the one thing I would uh, uh, finish off with is that cumulatively just the over the top saturated coverage of both Queen Elizabeth's death and 9/11 that pushed out climate change and covid uh and also the the violence with what's going on in Memphis and so we see the consolidated power state Right. We see the the, the Pentagon press um, pushing the old world. Right. 9-11. At this point, what, 21 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, Queen Elizabeth, (laughs) you know, born just before the Egyptians. (laughs) 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 Finally. Born in an Egyptian tomb. Who was the big Egyptian queen? <laughs> to, uh, Nefertiti. <laughs> Nefertiti, <right>? who preceded <laughs> Nefertiti, Nefertiti the first. <laughs> queen, <laughs> queen Elizabeth finally dies, and now we have Charles the Third succeeding <laughs> Bush the Second and Bush the First. All for the- <laughs> David Miller. I am Doctor. David Overby, and you've been listening to the Oblivion Podcast. Off with his head! <laughs>